Welcome to the Beyond Words podcast. We are here to amplify and empower diverse voices. I'm your host, Weina Li. Each week, get ready to dive into an intimate conversation with our featured guests. They will be sharing some of their unique life journeys and perspectives on work, life, culture, immigration, language, voice, accent, and so much more. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's get ready to take on this journey beyond words. Hi, Ben. Welcome on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. I know you're uh, I, I usually I interview people that's、uh, who live in United States. So today、uh-huh. um, we have Ben who lives in Chile. Which I'm really excited. He's an English pronunciation coach. I'll just let him introduce himself. Could you、um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you, and what do you do? Yes, of course. So, like you said, I'm an accent and pronunciation coach. I'm an ESL teacher, but I specialize in accent and pronunciation training, mostly for. Non-native speakers, professionals living and working in the United States, and I've been doing this for about ten years now. So it's been a while. Wow! And and the reason I decided to teach pronunciation is because if you think about it, most of the communication that we use on a daily basis is oral, right?、Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to be aware of the way you sound, and be confident about the way you sound. And unfortunately, pronunciation is not the most, or it is the most neglected aspect of English teaching in general. So I want to change that, and、mm. it's also my passion. I like phonology and and pronunciation. Yeah, that's great. Thank you.、Yeah. Um, so you are in Chile, and you decided to be a pronunciation coach.、Yes. I'm curious, how did you get into English? Like, just so passionate about English and teaching English. Like, how that journey look like?、Um, you know, from when you were young to where you are now. So okay, where do I start? <laughs> And who are you like? We got、yeah, time. It's a long story. I'll, I'll try to keep it interesting and and short. So I was exposed to English when I was a kid because I have family in the states and I also have family in Australia. So when I was a kid, my cousins would visit almost every summer, and that's when I started picking up you know words and phrases and sentences in English. And then I went to a school where there were exchange students, mostly from the United States, but they came from all over the world. And 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 I think that's when I got really interested in languages and cultures, and that's when I started acquiring a more American accent. And when I became really interested in phonology and pronunciation, and I decided that I wanted to become an interpreter for the United Nations in New York because my friends, all these exchange students who came here, 
they didn't speak Spanish when they first arrived. So I had to translate for them and it was fun and I really enjoyed that. So I decided that I wanted to be a translator and interpreter for the United Nations. And I think that's when it all started. And then I got into college to be a translator and interpreter. That's my major. And that's when things changed because I fell in love with phonology and pronunciation. So when I graduated, I got certified to teach English with an emphasis on pronunciation. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's when it all started. So the, the school with a lot of exchange students, so that was like high school? That was, yeah, high school. And they came from, well, the States, like I said, mostly from the United States. But they also came from other countries like mm. China, for example, mm. Canada, France, Finland. What else? I don't remember right now, but there were a lot of countries. So mm. Sweden was one of them. Oh, wow. And so I was really interested and I, and I wanted to learn, you know, words and phrases in their languages. And I did. And, and for, for, you know, the last, I don't know, 15 years, I've been studying different languages. I can speak four fluently, but oh, I, what are I know, they? so I speak Spanish, which is my yeah. native language. I yeah. speak English, which is my primary language now, because mm-hmm. I use it all the time with, you know, my students, my friends, my clients. I speak Italian and I speak Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. Mm. And I do have a pretty good knowledge of other languages, but I don't consider myself fluent in those languages. Mostly, wow. mostly Ger- Germanic languages like German, Dutch, and also um, what, are, what are these languages called? I forgot. But Danish, Swedish, mm. Norwegian. So... And also, of course, French, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, because my native language is related to those languages. So I was very interested in that too. So yeah, as you can see, I I really like languages. Yeah. Cultures. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. You know so many. Oh my God. That's awesome. So I'm curious, that's really cool that you went to a school that have so many exchange mm-hmm. students at a young age. Yes. So I'm curious that it's almost like uh, your school is like a little melting pot. How, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> How did that feel when you first had that kind of exposure? Because before that, I'm assuming you were strictly kind of in the uh, regular school in, in, right. in Chile. And they mainly just do Spanish as a primary language yes. and primary culture. So how that, you know, when, when you're first exposed to so many different cultures, how did that feel if you remember? I, I don't know. I think that I was, I think that it was a little annoying, to be honest, because I was so interested that I would just keep asking questions. Oh. <laughs> And so I'm pretty sure that I annoyed some of these people because for me, it was new. You know, I was not exposed to that before. And then all of a sudden I was in high school and there were all these people from so many different countries. 
And so I remember that I would ask a lot of questions and because I was genuinely interested in, I wanted to know more. Yeah. And yeah. So it was, it was new and interesting and intriguing for me. Wow. Yeah. And I was, you know, exposed to different cultures. Are they, I'm now, I'm really, really curious. Are they all have to speak Spanish or learn Spanish when they're there? Yes. So the reason, one of the reasons that they come here is because they want to learn Spanish, right? Oh. I mean, that's one of the reasons why these people come here. But when they first arrive, they normally don't speak Spanish. Mm. So they learn it here. Mm. And I guess I somehow took advantage of that because <laughs> I use English in order to communicate with them. So the primary language or the common language was English for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because they came from, I don't know, like I said, Germany, France, Italy, China, right? So we had to use English for sure because they didn't speak Spanish when they first came here. Yeah, that's something really interesting. I think we brought up on other episode of the show too, that we were saying that, um, what was that? Like there is a research showing that for all the English speakers globally, like a non-native right. English speakers is more than native English speakers at yes. this point. Yeah, because yeah, everyone yeah. communicate that way. Like if we watch, exactly. Um, yeah, because Olympics and all that. Yeah, it, it's become a global language. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, so that's really interesting. If you think that way, it's really like a tool of communication, like communicating with other people. So it's really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, actually, one of my my best friends is from Austria, and it's funny because when we met. She didn't speak Spanish, so we started communicating in English. And now she speaks perfect Spanish because she fell in love with the language when she came here. Yeah. And so it's funny because my family speaks Spanish with her, but I can't <laughs> because when we met, she didn't. And I don't know if it happens to you, but you kind of take on a different persona when you switch from, from one language to another, right? Yes. So whenever, whenever we're together, we communicate in English. We don't communicate in Spanish, even though she speaks Spanish now. Yes, so that's funny. so true. Yeah. I feel like we talk about this sometimes too, but now I'm thinking like I have the same thing with some of my friends that I met at work. We started speaking English when we first met. Then uh -huh. even now he learned a lot more Chinese. And I still like we, when we speak, we still speak English. But then when, when I speak with his wife, we speak Chinese totally fine. It was so strange. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's because, like I said, I think it's because we take on a different persona, right? When we mm -hmm. switch from one language to another. So it, it, it is strange to speak with her in Spanish because that's not how we met. We didn't meet in Spanish. We, meet, we <laughs> met in English, right? So I yeah. think it's a funny thing and it happens, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that one time I posted a kind of meme or something from a language nerd. I forgot that account called, but it's really cool account uh, about like this topic, the oh. personality. Everyone who speaks a second language replied saying like, this is so true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you change or like your personality changes when you speak Chinese and when you speak English? 
Yeah, I do. Especially, I feel like of two different people too. Uh, like to my cousin, like my family, right? My parents doesn't speak English, so it doesn't really matter.、Mm. Um, but that's another interesting thing. They even they don't speak English, but they speak a、um, dialect, like our city dialect. Oh right, okay. I cannot even speak standard Mandarin with them. I have to speak <laughs> that dialect with them. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even like in the same language, I couldn't switch to like a standard Mandarin accent <laughs> with my parents. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's just how the brain works, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, where were we talking about how you? So you started with wanting to be an interpreter, in, interpreter, and then you fall in love with pronunciation. Yeah. Um, why you feel? I mean, you mentioned a little bit. I wonder if you want to elaborate a little bit of why. So important to study pronunciation, and why you feel like it's being neglected in the English education.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think that I think that okay. Let's talk about why I think it is important. And I think for me, two reasons. The first one is that you're more confident when you know how to use spoken English, right? Because English is a non-phonetic language, so you you know you you write it one way and then you speak it in a completely different way.、Mm. So I would say that confidence is one of the reasons why pronunciation is important. Because when you know what to do, then it all makes more sense, right? You're not constantly, you know. Wondering how to pronounce this, how to pronounce that, and and I would say that the second reason is because it's it's important to communicate effectively, right? And so, if you want to communicate clearly and effectively, then you need to understand how pronunciation works and how to use it to your advantage, right? So I would say those are the main reasons why pronunciation is important. Confidence、mm -hmm. would be number one for me, and then effective communication, for sure. There's、mm -hmm. probably more, of course, but that's、yeah. what I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you and, have?、Um, go、uh, ahead. Yeah. No, please go ahead. Oh, I'm just curious. In your teaching method or teaching philosophy, like what do you usually do with your client? Um, for pronunciation, if like I come to you, like do you、right. have a structured kind of curriculum, or it's more like we talk about what do we want to work on? So okay, I'm a very systematic person, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is one of my strengths, to be honest. And I think that that's one of the reasons people work with me.、Mm. And The way I work is we do, and most pronunciation coaches do this first part, and that is a pronunciation assessment, because、mm -hmm. we need to know what areas you need to work on, right? So it all starts from there, the pronunciation assessment, and then after that, what I do is I design a personalized program、oh. for you. Right, based on the pronunciation assessment, 
and then we work on on those you know sounds and concepts that are difficult for you so that's mm -hmm. the way i work and i have a system because i i'm not a i'm not a fan of you know motivation and goals <laughs> <laughs> because i believe that you're not you're not going to be motivated all the time right and you're not going to be you're not always going to achieve your goals right and that's fine because that's the human condition right that's just the way we are there's there is nothing wrong with that but i believe that if you have a system all you have to do is you have to stay committed to your system and so mm -hmm. i work with a system with my 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 students and that's why I can see results and they can see results, right? Because I don't want them to be motivated all the time because they know that's not true and not real, right? Mm -hmm. So we do, we work with a system. And, and yeah, that's pretty much what I do with my students. We have a pronunciation assessment. And then based on that, I design a personalized, personalized pronunciation program for them. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. And what are usually your clients' English level? Like who are they like a beginning level or they're um, already fluent and just want to improve pronunciation? They're already fluent. Yeah, they already speak the language, but they have, I would say they need to fine tune their pronunciation because they need it for work, right? Because like mm. I said before, I work with professionals who already speak the language mm -hmm. and they need to they need to fine-tune or improve their pronunciation because they're they're not understood sometimes right and so it's frustrating you know when you're speaking and people ask you to repeat yourself more than three times right and so i i help them you know tackle those challenges right and, and, and replace all those sounds that are not serving them, right? Because it's not about sounding like a native speaker. And I think we, we're going to talk about that later. It, it's about communicating effectively, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about, you know, taking, it's about taking a sound that's not serving you and it's making you sound unclear and replacing that sound with a sound that's going to help you sound clear and communicate effectively and because english is tricky in that sense right so many consonant sounds so many mm -hmm. vowel sounds especially vowel sounds then people don't know where where to start or how to start mm -hmm. so that's where i come in and i help them and we work together and it all makes more sense yeah 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 thanks for sharing that yeah that's great yeah, of course um yeah so as we touch up on the accent part because you mm -hmm. um grew up you were born and grew up in chile and you're yeah. english pronunciation coach um i'm curious how that journey feel like for you teaching as a second language like a non-native speaker mm -hmm. um yeah did is there any you know stories along the way where you starting or in the middle you know like along this journey stories you want to share and emotions came up during this yeah. whole journey just that kind of story 
Yeah. So I think, I don't know if you know, I think I, we talked about this. We briefly touched on this last week. And I think I told you about the term or the ideology native speakerism, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so native speakerism is basically, it's basically this idea that native speakers are better teachers than non-native speakers. Now, we all know that that's not true, right? And it's backed up by a bunch of different studies. You can just go online and read about it. But the problem is that it's become a money-making business, right? And so, unfortunately, a lot of non-native speaking teachers are discriminated against because they're not native speakers. And the problem is that this creates, you know, accent discrimination, but it also creates and generates, it generates racism because Mm -hmm. most of the schools that promote this ideology, they want native speakers only from six countries, the United States, the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. So if you don't have a passport from any of those countries, then you're not a native speaker. And we all know that there's more native speakers in the world, right? Jamaica, for example, but they don't look white, right? So they're not considered native speakers. So this ideology is generating not only accent discrimination because you don't have a standard accent, but it Mm -hmm. also generates racism because if you don't look white, right? then you're not a native speaker. And and I'm pretty sure that a lot of ESL teachers have had to, you know, deal with this. And in fact, it happened to me this week. I was, yeah, I was, they, I, I work for, in the evenings when I have some extra time, I work for a language school. Mm -hmm. and they gave me a class it was not my class it was someone else's class but that person quit and so they gave they gave it to me and the students were very happy because they were looking for a pronunciation coach they wanted a teacher who helped who could help them with their pronunciation Mm -hmm. and we had about three classes they were very happy we had conversation classes and because it was not my private students, right? Mm-hmm. This is for another company. I couldn't teach pronunciation only, but I incorporated pronunciation into their class because it's what they wanted. And then this week I got, a, I got an email from the lady in charge of, of the course. And she told me that unfortunately they were gonna have to take the class away from me because the student's company wanted a native speaker. Oh. And they were very sorry, but they couldn't do anything because it's what the company wants, right? Not even what the students wanted, but what the company wants, right? And so it's it's unfair because if you really think about it, being a native speaker does not make you a teacher 
you mm-hmm. have to be a teacher to be a teacher, right? You have to be qualified. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the term native is not a degree or a qualification, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So unfortunately, that happens a lot here in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to start my own business because, you know, I don't want to go through that again. It hasn't happened that many times, but it has happened and it happened this week. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think it's important to raise awareness, right? Because, yeah, I I am not saying that native speakers are bad teachers, but they have to be teachers, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's a point. You you can be a native speaker, but you also have to be a teacher at the same time. Right. I would say that's great if you are a native speaker and if you are a teacher, awesome, right? But if you're only a native speaker, that doesn't make you a teacher, right? Mm Because, you know, there's, I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a degree in nativeness, right? (laughs) So that's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. You you need to be qualified to teach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought about that, but that's really, um, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For example, I, I don't feel qualified to teach Spanish, which is my native language, because I've never trained to to teach Spanish, right? Mm. I am qualified and I am trained to teach English, not Spanish, because Mm. that's that's what I what I was trained for. And I I wouldn't I wouldn't think to think I mean I wouldn't think to teach Spanish just because I'm a native speaker. Because being a native speaker doesn't make me a teacher. Yeah, that is a really good point because I don't feel like I can't te- I can't teach Chinese. Exactly. I can't even teach yeah. Chinese to my husband. <laughs> Sometimes when he asks me, and also I have no patience. I feel like, and when he asks me uh, how to say some words, and then I say it, and he don't get it, and after a few times, I'm like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's good enough. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And also, I think that. You know, when you are a non-native speaker, you've been in your students' shoes, right? So you know the process, yeah. you've been there, you know how to get from A to B, and you can help them with that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. I think that we need to think more critically when it comes to native and non-native teachers, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not about being a native or a non-native teacher. It's about being a teacher, whether you're a mm-hmm. native speaker or not. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Now I'm thinking back, like, in China, in school. So usually, I mean, they're not, like, when you grow up in, like, elementary school, when you start to learn English, there's no native speaker teachers. They're just your usual Chinese teachers um, teaching right. English. So you never thought about that till I think, up to maybe college, and then there are options then right yeah yeah Mm. i I think it's i i've been doing some research into this and this ideology started around 2011 oh before that nothing no nothing on google and in i think it's because and i think it started in some asian countries where like i told you before they were they would only hire native speakers and native Mm. speakers from the six countries that I told you about right Mm -hmm. and and then it just got out of control (laughs) 
and yeah and now it it's everywhere right it's here in latin america it's in europe it's in asia so it's pretty mm -hmm. much everywhere and and yeah. like i told you it's a money making money making business because if you have a school right and you provide english teaching services for other companies and those companies want a native speaker mm -hmm. then you have to give the company what they what you have to give the companies what they want because if you if you don't then they're going to go to someone else right 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 yeah And so, and, and the, the, the sad part is that it affects the student's learning process, right? Because for example, mm -hmm. with, with the students that I was telling you about the two students that I had and that I don't have anymore because their company wanted a native speaker, they're not thinking about the students in this case, mm -hmm. they were happy and they were learning, but the company was like, nope, we want a native speaker. And so the students were like, oh, okay, you're paying. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So you have to be qualified to teach in order yes. to teach like anything really. Anything really, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Like uh, any subject, there's no other kind of questioning or you know questioning like this why english when come to language they're like oh we want a native speaker to teach english even though you know a lot of people are qualified they're perfectly yeah. fine to teach uh, maybe even better like you said you've been in their shoes you know how it feels yeah. to be learning a language exactly like for example in my case I teach pronunciation because it's what I really enjoy. And so I know what it takes because in order to sound the way that I do now, I had to go through the process. It didn't just happen to me, right? <laughs> I made it happen, right? Yeah. It's not like I woke up one day sounding the way I do. I had to work, right? I had to put in the work and I had to follow, you know, the process and the steps. So I know what it takes, right? That's actually a good, um, good good one that i want to ask you about your own english journey like how mm -hmm. you um learn english and like you mentioned a little bit about um, the process what that process looked like you also mentioned the last time when we chatted you said you modified your accent on purpose yes. yeah, at I a certain do. point in your life so i'm curious if you can share uh, you know your english learning journey and accent yeah. and pronunciation Yes, of course. So I think it has to do with, well, I know it has to do with accent discrimination in my case, because I, I didn't want to be discriminated against. So because, you know, accent discrimination has been around for a long time. The thing is that now we have more permission to talk about it because everything is more politically correct, right? Mm -hmm. But in the past, you know, making these comments was funny even, right? Now it's not funny anymore because everything is more politically correct. And so I was aware of accent discrimination and I didn't want to be discriminated against. I know that I was going to be discriminated against anyway because I'm a non-native speaker. But at least if I didn't have, you know, a Latino accent in my case, because I come from a Latino country, mm -hmm. right? then 
I, I maybe in my head, I wasn't going to have to go through that type of discrimination, right? And luckily, I, it's only happened a few times, right? I've been mm-hmm. doing this for 10 years and it's, it's only happened a few times. And I think it's because I was able to modify the way that I sounded. Now, I don't recommend doing that because losing your accent that's what i that's what i mean because it's not worth it to be honest wina mm-hmm. it's not because you become obsessed i became obsessed and oh. now i use my experience in you know to educate my own students and i tell them you, you don't need to sound like a native speaker you don't need to lose your accent completely mm-hmm. right because in my case i got to a point where i didn't want to speak because I didn't want oh. to make mistakes, right? Because I didn't oh. want people to be like, oh, he made a mistake. So he's a non-native speaker. I became obsessed, right? And, and it's frustrating, right? Because you're not communicating. You're thinking about the sounds and, and you're not free and comfortable. And I'm glad mm. that I put that behind me, right? It took a lot of mindset work. And now I can speak freely and I feel comfortable. And I use that experience to tell my students, don't do it if you want to change or if you want to improve your accent, do it because you want to communicate effectively and clearly, but don't do it because someone else is telling you that you need to sound like a native speaker, because mm-hmm. to be honest, you don't need to. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about it, do you know... Sofia Vergara, for example. Do you no. know her? She's this no. Colombian actress, very famous in, oh. in the States. Maybe I know her. I just oh, maybe don't you know do. the name. Yeah, I, maybe Sophia. I know, but don't she know. She was yeah. in Modern Family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good and look. so, yeah, sure. And so she has an accent and she communicates effectively, right? I'm pretty sure that you know Antonio Banderas, right? Cool. Antonio Banderas, do you know? Mm-hmm. Him? Mm-hmm. He has an accent and he communicates effectively, right? Or even um, even Heidi Klum. Mm-hmm. She has a German accent and she communicates effectively. Yeah. So, so there is no need to lose your accent 100%. Now, if that is your goal, yes, you can do it. But I always tell my students, mm-hmm be realistic about it because mm-hmm. if you are a non-native speaker you're not going to sound like a native speaker all the time and that is fine there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of the times we as non-native speakers are made to feel like because we don't sound like a native speaker our english is not good enough right mm-hmm. and i want everybody to know that that's not true your english is more than enough Mm-hmm. And you need to manage your expectations because you're not going to do it in three months, right? If you really want to sound more native, it's not going to happen in three months because I know that a lot of online schools promote this and they say, you're oh, really? Like a native speaker. Yeah, in three months. In the ESL industry, a lot of schools do that. And I tell my students, I always tell my students, you're not going to sound like a native speaker in three months. It's going to take years of practice, right? And again, it's not necessary. 
Because if you're learning English, it's because you want to communicate. It's not because you want to turn into someone else, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is to communicate effectively. Yeah. I think that's interesting because um, I feel like for you know, my own experience and some other immigrant who kind of similar to me, that experience where when you know, I told you about this before and I, I said many, many times on the show, that my for a long time my goal was to sound like a native speaker right so for yeah. us i feel like at one point you want to because you are in a different country yeah you want to blend in you don't exactly. want to stick out like people ask you all the time mm-hmm. um so that's kind of why the reason i feel like i wanted to be uh sounding like a native speaker so i can hide my identity i don't want to people to know right. where i come from mm-hmm. so that's really interesting because why would you want to hide your identity you know that that's a thing exactly why would you want to hide who you are there's nothing wrong there right just because you don't sound like someone else doesn't make doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you and mm-hmm. I think that it's hard because, you know, as human beings, all we want is to fit in, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And, 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 but it, it takes time and, and it happens. One thing that I tell my students is that there's nothing wrong with your accent because everybody has an accent, right? I mean, the United States has 50 different states. Do you honestly think that everybody sounds the same? And and the answer is no, of course. So once you start, you know, analyzing all these things and becoming more aware, mm-hmm. I think it helps your confidence because you you realize that you don't need to sound like anyone else because no one else sounds the same. You have yeah. to sound like yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because yeah. if you even think about, um, you know, I have coworkers that's coming from UK that mm-hmm. sometimes I have a hard time to understand them because they have British English accent right. and they speak in different ways and they use different terms uh, for yeah. certain things. So sometimes I don't get them because they have a, a British accent rather than American English accent. And then when we yeah. travel to Scotland, that's even harder to understand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it's all a matter of getting used to different accents. But yeah, it happens. And that proves that there isn't just one American accent or one British accent. It all depends on where you come from, your community, the generation you were born in. There are so many factors that influence an accent, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. This is a fascinating topic, by the way. (laughs) Um, It, It is, yeah. Yeah. So along your journey, I wonder if you have any tools and tips um, that you could share with our listeners, like you used for English learning. Um, I mean, you shared one just saying about um, the accent part. I wonder if you have other tools along the way that you use when you started learning English, Mm -hmm. um, anything along that line. So, well, I can, I can talk about pronunciation in my case Mm -hmm. and I would say that if you want to improve your pronunciation and your spoken English one thing you have to do it's not about wanting to do this you have to do it (laughs) you have to practice daily 
-hmm. It's the only way to create muscle memory because you want your tongue, which is a muscle, to remember how to make those sounds that you're learning. So you mm -hmm. have to make sure that you practice every day. And when I say every day, I'm not talking about, I don't know, three hours, right? It can be 20 minutes. It can be mm -hmm. 10 minutes in the morning. It can be 10 minutes at night. But you have to do it every day because it's the only way to train your muscle, your tongue, to remember how to make all these new sounds that you're learning. So that would be my tip. Consistency is more important important than quantity. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, you know, I, I have different steps. What I learned in college is you have to be aware of the sounds or you have to be aware of the differences between English and your native language, right? Because if you don't hear the difference, then you're going to make the same old mistake all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So first, you need to perceive the difference between English and your native language. Then you have to practice every day, at least 20 minutes to create muscle memory. And then you have to, and then you have to make sure that you implement this or you take this to a conversational level right I, I usually use five steps right mm -hmm. so my steps are I can share this if you want I, I I have five steps prioritization because mm -hmm. not everybody has to learn every single sound in English right you already mm -hmm. have some of the sounds that English has so you don't need to learn those then you have to be aware of the differences between English and your native language. Then you have to learn how to use your articulators to make all these sounds, right? How do mm -hmm. I position my tongue? How do I position my lips, right? What do I do with my, with my mouth? So you need to learn these things. Then you have to practice every day to create muscle memory. And finally, you need to take all these to a conversational level and use these sounds intentionally in a conversation so those are the steps that i work with that i that i help my students with we we work with these five steps and those are the steps that i learned when i was in college by the way and so now oh. i apply yeah now i apply the same steps i there's three steps that i learned when i was in college and then i did a course when I started my business mm -hmm. and I learned two more mm -hmm. prioritization, prioritization. That's the first step. And the last step, which, which is, I call it intentional implementation because you have to mm -hmm. take the sound to a conversational level. Yeah. yeah so in, in college I learned three and then I added two more when I, when I did this accent training course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great. Um, so I feel like we talked a lot about your journey, your teaching journey. I'm curious if there are anything else you want to share before we wrap up the, before we go into the last three questions. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't think 
I don't know. What else can I say? Maybe, I don't know. Oh, if maybe if someone is interested in working with me, I could mm -hmm. share my, they can go to my website, mm -hmm. absolutefluency.com. Yeah. 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 I will no. link your website, your Instagram on the show notes so people can find you there. Yeah. Yeah. My, my website has everything. Great. So they just have to go there. And I also, I think I told you, I offer a free consultation. So if someone is interested in that, they can also have a free consultation before we work together. I think it's important to get to know someone before you work with that person. So that's why I offered that free discovery call, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We'll link that in show notes so our listeners can find you. Um, awesome. Okay. So we have three final takeaway questions for our listeners. Um, so the first question is, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Like any transitional points in your life, you know, some point you feel like you can't give advice to? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe, maybe try to be more, try to be a little bit more confident about, I don't know, I'm just making things up here. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would I give myself or my younger self? Yeah, what? your younger self. You know, my there's certain, you, if you feel like there are certain transitional points in your life, you know, you had some struggles. And if you look back now and say, what would be a one advice you could give to that young Ben? So I would probably be less impulsive. Hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're younger, you tend to do everything in a rush. <laughs> okay. And so I would probably take more time and reflect on some of the decisions that I, that I made in the past. I wouldn't hmm. change anything, but I would definitely be less impulsive probably so be more i don't know analytical i guess okay yeah 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 that's a good one i feel like it's hard when you're young right it's yeah yeah because yeah because when you're young you're like you want to try it all right and you're mm -hmm. experiencing new things but i guess it's just part of being young right yeah yeah that's true Okay, the second question is, what's one of your favorite cultural traditions and or food? I've never oh. been to Chile. Uh, that's on my list. I want to go. So if you could share some of your traditions and food, um, that would be good. Yeah, so, okay. So one really important celebration that we have here is our independence, which is on September 18th. Mm-hmm. And it's like the highlight of the year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's a lot of dancing and eating and drinking involved, right? Yeah. And, and people take, depending on what day of the week it falls on, people take the whole week off or just a long weekend off, right? Mm 
-hmm. and and that would be my favorite celebration and tradition because we have a lot of a lot of different traditions and and so for example one of them is we dance cueca 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 is our national dance and we also eat a lot of empanadas i don't know if you've ever heard of this food empanadas no no it's basically a type of pastry like a turnover i would say and you can eat it fried or baked and if Mm -hmm. you eat it fried it has it usually has cheese but the ingredients can change and if you Mm -hmm. eat it baked it has ground meat onion egg and raisins if you, eat, if you eat it baked, of course. And so this is something that we eat a lot of during our independence celebration. Oh, and cool. yeah, and we also drink a lot of wine because I don't know if you know, but Chile is famous for its wine. Yeah. So we drink a lot of that. Yeah, we drink a lot of wine. And I think it's just a very nice celebration because you get to see your friends and family, right? Everybody gets together. Usually people have a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, a time to relax. It's, it's like Thanksgiving for Americans, right? They, they go crazy about it. We go crazy yeah. about our Independence Day. Yeah, uh, yeah that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing. I have to look them all up yeah it's called we call it here el 18 which basically means the 18th that's what we call it yeah Uh that's what that's how we refer to that celebration the 18th Mm yeah because it falls it falls on september 18th every year so yeah yeah so we just call it the 18th Mm -hmm. and yeah that's probably my favorite celebration nice um okay so uh the the last question i usually ask my guest is what's something people seem to misunderstand about your culture since mm-hmm. you exposed to so many different cultures even though you are in chile but you expose so, so many different cultures uh, i would want to also get your point of view on this if you have any ideas to share on this question yeah, sure. So I think what one big misconception is that not only about Chile, but I would say it about Latin America. So one big misconception is that we are living in the past here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't have, you know, we don't have, I don't know, cars or skyscrapers or <laughs> even the internet, right? And I think that's a really big misconception. And I would say that Chile is very advanced in compared to other Latin American countries. Mm-hmm. And Latin America in general is, how can I phrase it? It's a developing society. Mm-hmm. It is. So we're not living in the jungle here because I know that a lot of people <laughs> think that and and I know because I've been asked really funny questions so to speak but right like 
do you guys have the cell phone there? Or, oh. <laughs> or <clears throat> do you guys have what else? I don't know what else was I was asked once. Oh, what kind of cars do you have there? Oh. So I've been asked these questions by people who don't live here, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say that that's a really big misconception that we're living in the past or, you know, almost in prehistoric times <laughs> and we're yeah. not, we're fine here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I bet a lot of people would ask you and be curious of how it is there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, compared to other societies, right? Yeah. There's a lot of room for improvement, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not, we're fine. We're not, you know, living in the past. Like a lot right. of people think, right? Yeah. We yeah. have cars, we have the internet, we have the cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing all that experience and your thoughts on pronunciation and the culture, language, all that um, good stuff you shared today. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, because I know that you interview you mostly interview immigrants, right? So thank you for, you know, the opportunity. Yeah, so yeah, I think this is all very related because when I started the podcast, the intention is to interview immigrants who live in America um, yeah. to get their journey. The reason is because I couldn't find anything to share immigrant journeys because when I Google online, the most stuff came up is more legal immigrant immigration right. related oh, okay. so i couldn't find any like immigrant stories just like normal people like you and i those kind of stories that's why i started this but then along the way i met so many interesting people including you, mm -hmm. uh, you. they are all you know like in the language and in the language journey and have different cultures so slowly i kind of just expanding the podcast to be more you know, just learning about different cultures and different language and, you know, immigrant journeys for sure. And also just bring on some language and voice coach to talk about their teaching, their journey. So I feel like this is all very related and helpful for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think, I think that you're doing a great job because, you know, talking about different accents, voice and giving the chance, giving people the chance to be heard right that's mm -hmm. that's entailing their stories i think that's that's amazing oh thank you so much so thank you again for your time and your story um yeah yeah thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to today's episode if you feel like you benefited from today's story, share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers, share it on social media. Together, I believe we can help to amplify and empower diverse stories and diverse voices. Thank you again. Until next time, let's go make some connections beyond the